Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you, and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. We are going to kick off 2023 talking about all of the things that have been holding us back. Lauren Zoller is a seven-figure entrepreneur, host of the Aligned Love podcast, speaker, and author. As the founder of the Aligned Love Experience, Lauren is an expert practitioner in reparenting, generational healing, and somatic experiencing. Through her work, she's created the proprietary voice activation method that has been used to help thousands of men and women heal from past trauma and take ownership of their future. This is bound to be a really good conversation and really uncomfortable as we talk about and uncover all of the things about our past that are holding us back from moving forward. So let's jump in. Lauren, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited for this conversation because this is like, this is hard stuff. Like this is not easy to dig into the things that we've tried most of our adult lives to like bury and cover and get over. And, but today we're going to like, we're kicking off the new year to like undo some of this so we can move forward and heal. So let's just start with how do we even identify generational trauma? Does everyone have it? Like, are some people free and clear of it? Um, and, And what happens if we don't do anything about it? So I wish I could say that there are some people out there that are free and clear of generational trauma, (laughs) but the reality is that no one is. And the reason being is because we're humans and we come in contact with other humans who have experienced trauma before. So that oftentimes when we, Mm -hmm. there's a term in SE called co-regulation, and it just means that my nervous system is picking up what your nervous system's laying down. Mm -hmm. And if that happens and someone has experienced extreme trauma, it can actually traumatize our nervous system if we don't know how to hold that. So at some point down the line, you have experienced trauma or someone in your family experienced something traumatic. And if they weren't able to regulate the response, unfortunately, it gets passed down to you. So let's just let's back it up and bring it down to the basics. So if someone's listening is like nervous system, what what does that even mean? Like, how does someone know that their nervous system is like on overdrive? Yeah. So let's 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 go super simple. Because I really want to break it down. Because I think let's start with trauma, the term trauma, because I feel like the word trauma is thrown around. Everybody's like, oh, that was so traumatic. And they don't actually understand what it means. So if we look at the definition of trauma, we can then get into the nervous system. But the definition of trauma is an overwhelming response to Mm -hmm. something that was too fast, too much, or too soon for your body to properly process what's happening. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll use a car wreck as an example. Let's say you're sitting at a stop sign and you get T-boned. Chances are you weren't preparing in that moment to get T-boned. It was too fast. It was too much. And it was far too soon. You had no time to prepare for it. 
Now, if you don't have the proper tools to be able to remove yourself from the car wreck, because usually if that happens, something you're injured in some way, if you don't have the proper tools to remove yourself and go sit on the curb and tap into your breath and allow your body to come back into what we call ventral vagal connection or safety, what ends up happening is that a traumatic stuck response, what your body goes Mm -hmm. into the moment of impact will actually get stuck inside of your body. And this is why five, six days, five, 10 years down the road, when you pull up to that same stop sign, you notice that your heart rate starts to lift and your body starts to clench. Mm. Your body is remembering that stuck response. Okay. So that's what trauma is, is when your body relives some sort of trauma response, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, over and over and over again, and it halts you, it paralyzes you. So your nervous system is your body's way of keeping you safe. Hmm. When something traumatic happens, your nervous system says, oh, I'm in threat here. I either need to run, which is flight. I need to fight, which Hmm. is obviously fight. I need to freeze, which means I need to shut down and play dead. Or I need to fawn. I need to pretend or pretend that my truth isn't real so that you'll befriend me and not kill me. Right. So the nervous system start. It also let me let me just preface this by saying the nervous system also is in charge of rest and digest. It's in charge of actually taking care of our body, too. It's it's double sided. So we have to be able to look at what our body is doing in a moment to moment basis so that we can live in a space of safety. And that's why the nervous system is important when we look at trauma, which is what we're talking about today. So how does that impact relationships that we're in, the ones that we're going into? Because I know that there's a connection somewhere. Yeah. So let me give you an example because I love examples. I feel like they just kind of make everything make sense. If you grew up in an abusive household, so let's say, and I'm using abuse because most people can wrap their head around it. This also happens in non-abusive households. And we'll talk about that in a little bit too. But if you grew up in an abusive household where you were constantly berated or physically beaten as a child, what ends up happening is that when you, let's say that you're just randomly sitting on the couch and a, a caretaker decides that they're in a bad mood and they are, you're the target. What ends up happening in that moment, if it happens over and over again, is that you will do whatever you can to stay safe. Chances are, just for this example, let's say that you actually get up and you leave the room and you go shut yourself in your room and you lock the door, right? So you run away from the situation. What ends up happening is that your tiny little nervous system creates this story that I am unlovable and I can't just be, right? Because when, I, when I'm when i just my normal human self, mom or dad or my caretaker comes in, and they will potentially hurt me. So if I run away from the situation, I'm safe. So then you fast forward to your adult life. Next thing you know, you meet someone, you really like them. They start to get close to you. And all of a sudden, you find yourself running away. You're like, oh, this doesn't feel safe. You don't know why you do it, but you decide to completely ghost them or you keep your distance and getting close to them. The reason being is because you're just playing out that same safety response that you learned as a child, which is connection is not safe 
and I have to remove myself. I have to go into flight to stay safe. So if we don't regulate that response in the body and if we don't teach ourselves how to find healthy connection, we will autom- our body will automatically go there because that's the only thing it learned as a young child. This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. So I have a question then as to what happens if... If someone does not, if someone's showing up in this relationship and they haven't recognized or identified the things that they brought from their childhood, how how then do they end up, I mean, can they have a healthy relationship? So if they learn to regulate their responses in their nervous system, then absolutely. But what we'll usually see is that people will cope with their survival responses. And coping is a little bit like taking Tylenol for consistent Mm -hmm. migraines. You're not really getting to the root of, hey, maybe you're allergic to dairy. And every time that you eat dairy, it causes a headache. You're not getting to the root of what's actually keeping you from connection. So it just becomes exhausting. Your body will start to eventually break down. And this is where we start to see divorce. We start to see autoimmune disorders because the body can't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. So the short answer is yes, but the long answer is no. It actually will remove you from connection to yourself and to someone else. So you posted something that called me out in like the best way possible (laughs) (laughs) recently. And it was someone who you had said that um, being hyper independent was a trauma response. And I was like, oh, shit, she just described my my 30s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so can you talk about that? Because I feel like, especially on and from these listeners, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of women who are high performers, who are hyper independent, like for the longest time, I wore that as a badge of honor mm-hmm. until I realized like my current husband, like really forced me to look at that and in the best way possible. So can you talk about that? Because I feel like that's something that plagues a lot of women today. Absolutely. And it's so funny you said that because I knew the moment I posted that, that all of my friends would be messaging me like, oh no, you just called me out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And it's because it's, it was me, right? Like I'm a, I'm a recovering hyper independent woman. And to be honest, it served all of us to some degree to be able to shut that emotional part and that part where we need people because we're humans, we need connection and we need help. We can't do it all on our own. It served us for a really long time, but then it gets to a certain point where it actually keeps us from connection, keeps us from ourselves. So the hyper-independent response usually comes from at some point in your childhood, you needed support, you needed help, and it wasn't there for you. Mm. I see it a lot with firstborn children who then have a brother, sister, or several brothers and sisters that were born after them, where mom and dad were tied up taking care of the other children. They weren't there to be a support emotionally when it was most important for us as children between the ages of zero and seven is when our tiny little nervous systems and brain learn how to 
love ourselves and love others. So if that happened and there wasn't someone there to help you do basic needs that you need as a child, what ends up happening is that you go into, again, a survival response, which is, well, if nobody's here and I need to eat and there's no food on the table, I got to go figure it out. I've got to go into flight because Mm -hmm. my survival's on the line. So then we start doing for ourselves. And what happens is that over time, again, we become adults and we're so accustomed to just doing because that's how things get done that we never ask for help. And it just becomes our baseline. We do, 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 do because we get that hit of accomplishment. But yet we crave connection. We crave asking for help. We just don't know how to do it because we weren't taught how to do it. So what does that woman do? How does she overcome that? So I would suggest first step is to start working with an SEP, start working with a trained somatic experiencing practitioner to look at when you feel like you need to get so many things done, what is the response that shows up in your body? Chances are your heart rate will start to lift, right? If you're, if you've been in it for a while, you may even start to freeze. I, I work with so many women, me included, this was me, where I would feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I have to get done that I would completely freeze and I wouldn't do anything. I would feel paralyzed Mm -hmm. like deer in headlights, right? That's the freeze response. And then when you start to come down off of that and you start to go back down through what we call sympathetic activation, next thing you know, you're a tornado and you're getting like 50,000 things done and then you crash, right? So it's like you're riding this up and down roller coaster. So the first step is to just start naming the sensations and naming the emotions that are present when you're in this manic state of, I need to achieve. I need to get things done. What is your body telling you in that moment? Because when you can start learning that language, then you can start using the tools to regulate your system. But you have to understand that the sensations and the emotions are where you have to tap in first. So how is that, what did you call it? Somatic experience? Mm -hmm. Somatic experiencing. How is different than therapy? So different. So traditional therapy, because somatic experiencing is therapy as well, but traditional therapy, which is the way we were all raised, which is to go to your therapist and talk about your problems, whether you've done CBT, brain spotting, EMDR, it is cognitive. So you're talking about your problems, you're reliving your traumas, and it's a talk-based therapy, which is very important. It's important for us to be able to talk through what has happened so that we can start to cognitively connect the dots. But what it's missing is the other 80%, which is the rest of the body. It's from Mm -hmm. the neck down. It's looking at, okay, when I sit down to achieve when I feel that, what's happening inside of my nervous system? What sensations are present? What emotions are present? What survival response is showing up for me? So somatic experiencing is looking at the other 80%. It's getting the body online with the brain. And so if you can use cognitive therapy and somatic therapy together, you're going to see lasting change. Because you're getting the body and the nervous system online with each other. 
Can you share a couple tips of what somatic experiencing looks like in real life? So, yeah, actually, um, yoga is a great somatic experiencing regulation tool. Now, when you're working with a practitioner and you're in an SE session, I am actually looking and tracking your nervous system and I'm teaching you how to track your nervous system. So that means that we're getting out of our brain and we're getting into our bodies. So I'll actually lead lead everyone through an example of what this looks like right now. So if you were to take a moment and you were to clench everything in really tightly, like clench your fists, curl up your toes, pull everything in towards your center line, and then you were to let it go. If I were to ask you, what sensations do you notice in your body? You may say to me, I feel a tingling in my hands. My heart rate is a little lifted. I feel a ball in my low belly. Whatever you feel, that is your somatic experience. That's what's happening inside of your body. Now notice we're not thinking, we're not saying, oh, well, my hands are tingly. So that must mean that there's a bear in the room or that must mean that I'm nervous. We're not making meaning, but we're staying inside of the body. So yoga is a great somatic tool in that it gets you to connect to your body and into your breath to regulate different survival responses. If you've ever been to a a power yoga class Mm -hmm. and you're there holding warrior two and you feel like you want to run out the door, right? Coming back to your breath is using your breath and your body and your awareness to allow yourself to regulate in that moment. So yoga is a great tool. But when you're working with a, with an SE practitioner, I'm tracking your nervous system. I'm looking at what's going on. And you also are being invited into what that looks like as well. So you have something called the voice activation method. Can you share what that is and how this how this works in, in healing generational trauma and anything else going on? Yeah. So oftentimes, and uh, I would say, of the time, everyone has some sort of heightened fawn response in their body. Now, if we look at what the fawn response is, fawning is people-pleasing. Simply put, right? People-pleasing is an actual trauma response. It's a survival response. At some point, you had to discount your truth and what you felt to appease someone else so that they would accept you. Mm-hmm. We've all done it. And it's a trauma response. So over time, especially with women, we have been conditioned to not use our voice. Perfect example, your friend asks you where you want to go to dinner and you say, oh, I don't care, whatever you want. But deep down, you really want pizza. <laughs> Deep, deep down in there, you want it. That is the fawn response in a simple everyday example. What the voice activation method does is it gets you really clear on where are you holding back using your voice? Where are you in the heightened fawn response? And how often are you there? Because if we're not operating from our truth, if we're not using our voice to speak how we actually feel, We're not actually living a life that feels aligned. 
Chances are you're not where you want to be in your relationships. You're not where you want to be in your business with your friendships. So the voice activation method teaches you how to be with your body when you're shutting down your truth and how to regulate that response so that you can start creating a new baseline to use your voice and claim what it is that you want for yourself. That's fascinating. Is that is this is something that that anyone could use in in work, in relationships, in family, in round, boundary setting? Like, is this something that applies across the board? Hundred percent for any woman or man who wants to to have a deeper life for themselves. The voice activation method is is the key. It's the way to it, and it's it is the way to reverse generational trauma because you're for a lot of women and men they have been taught to sweep everything under the rug yeah. right to not talk about it and what the voice activation method does is it actually gets you really clear on what are you sleeping sweeping under the rug mm. and how can you start to claim that as a part of your truth there's it's not shameful it's healing to be able to speak about it yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that for anyone who's listening, who's in a relationship, who's not in a relationship, who's in the dating world, like, if you're, if you've been married for 10, 15, 20 years, like, if you think about how much are you actually not saying, you're just trying mm. to keep the peace and sweep it under. And what does that do to the relationship? I mean, that's resentment, just festering right there. Yeah. Like, it's so interesting. And I, I can imagine that if you're in a relationship, and you start to speak it and your partner is not used to you using your voice, that's going to create some, some conflict as well. For sure. For sure. It's, it's difficult, right? And, and part of the voice activation method too is understanding, and I walk you through this when you get to that portion in the program, you have to be able to understand your own nervous system and how to truly regulate yourself. But also the voice activation method comes from a space of being able to speak your truth without the need for acceptance mm. or rejection from someone else, because that's not the reason that we do it. Right? We speak our truth because it's our truth. It's our birthright. And so that's a dynamic Renee, that has to be looked at before you just go out there and you start blurting out your truth everywhere. You have yeah. to make sure that you're you're able to self-soothe and self-source for when you do rub up against people that maybe have not do dove into this work the way that you have. I love that. So the, the phrase that jumped out at me is your truth is your birthright. Mm -hmm. You don't have to earn it. No. Yeah, that's so good. You don't good. have to earn it. And it's because it's your birthright, why in the heck are you hiding it? You know? Yeah. And yeah. that's but we that's what we've been taught. We've been taught to not speak it because it's wrong. And I imagine when you show up speaking your truth and being totally authentic to who you are, your relationship, the healthy ones will just become that much richer. Yes. And the ones that are not meant for you will fall right off. They won't be yeah. there anymore. Yeah. Ah, so good. Um, okay. So you talk about reparenting and I had to Google that because I'm like, <laughs> what does that actually mean? And am I, do I have to do that to my son? Like what's, what's going on here? Is that like a me thing? What is that? 
So reparenting is going back and just like it sounds, reparenting yourself to give yourself what you didn't receive as a child. And look, I grew up in a family, if ever, someone looked at my family and looked at the way that the, my family raised me on paper, they'd be like, you had an incredible upbringing. Yeah. Your mom was amazing. Your dad, my parents are still married. They're, I say happily married. They make it work, right? They're dysfunctionally <laughs> functional <laughs> <laughs> after, gosh, I don't know, 40 years of marriage. And they loved us unconditionally and we never yeah. wanted for things. And I still experienced trauma. I was the firstborn of two. We just spoke about this earlier. When my brother came along, my parents had to tend to him because he was younger. And I, in a lot of ways, was not purposely, mm -hmm. they didn't do this on purpose, but I was left to fend thing, to figure it out on my own. And so it led to achievement tendencies. I remember vividly, I was a dancer and me being on stage and coming off and being like, where's mom and dad? I, I want them to, I, I need their praise and their accolade, yeah. right? Because I, I, I really wanted that for myself. So even though I grew up in a perfect household, I still had trauma that happened to me. I also grew up in a whole line of Polish women. We were taught that you come last, right? You do not sit down mm -hmm. at the table. You do not eat until everyone has food in their mouth and they're eating. So that taught me that I come last. So when I started dating, I started dating projects. I felt like I had to fix everybody. Mm. So I had to understand that even though I grew up in this quote unquote perfect family, I still had a lot of reparenting that I had to do. I needed to learn that I was okay without achievement. I needed to learn that I'm okay with out having to fix someone to receive love. I'm lovable just as I am. So it's important that we all learn to reparent ourselves. We all become self-healers because at some point we've had trauma. I What's so important about what you just said is the fact that you grew up in a normal household because I think people think like, I don't have any reason to complain because I grew up in a middle-class house. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't poor. I was, wasn't I didn't wasn't abused. So what? Why would I have trauma? And I think that that's such an important point because I think that there's so many of us who have gone through something like what you just explained, and we think like, oh, we don't have anything to complain about. It's you know, other people have had it so much worse, and therefore there's nothing wrong. And then we continue to not recognize how we keep showing up in in our life and our relationships. Absolutely. And, and if we go back to the beginning, Renee, and we were talking about the definition of trauma, trauma is the stuck response in your body to something too fast, too much, or too soon. It doesn't say that that experience means that you had to have been raped or beaten. Yeah. Right? You could have been the last one picked on the dodgeball team in third grade. Yeah. And it was too, it was too much for you. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Right. And, and it caused you to feel like you needed to be somebody that you weren't. That's traumatic to a child, right? So it's, we, we're in contact with trauma all the freaking time. And we just need to remember that no matter how great we were brought up. Those are actually, yeah. I think, the worst, the worst cases are the ones who did grow up in a great household and they are like, oh, yeah. I don't have anything to complain about. 
Yeah. I mean, you're talking to me. I think I hear you (laughs) loud and clear. So, uh, Lauren, you have a free course on your website that you offer so people can start to dive into this and start to explore it. Can you share um, what it's about and, and how someone can sign up for it? Yes. So it's my Alone to Aligned Masterclass. And you can dive into understanding how your core wounds and how your dysregulated nervous system patterns really wreak havoc on your ability to connect and relate. So there's a workbook that also goes along with it, which is my core uh, relationship awareness workbook. And it walks you through some very simple somatic practices that you can start to dive into to begin this work. And it's it's magical. It'll open your eyes to this work and hopefully you'll want to dive in deeper. Is it hard work? Is it like something that that's really hard to kind of like hold the mirror up to yourself and explore? Yeah, but I'll say it's harder to not do it. I mean, yes, it's going to be difficult, It's going to feel like parts of you are shedding. But what I think is harder is living a life that doesn't feel alive and aligned and to just live a life that feels okay and blah, right? You can have a life that feels really freaking good and it's on the other side of this work. Amen to that. That's Mm -hmm. the whole premise behind all of this, the work you do, the work I do, the podcast. So how, how does someone sign up for that? What's the, where do they go? So you can go to my website, laurenzoller.com, and you'll see it. It'll say, join my free masterclass right on the homepage. You can also go to my TikTok or my Instagram. Instagram is at laurenzoller. TikTok is at Coach Laurenzoller. And the link in my bio will lead you right to the masterclass. You can go there too. Just, you know... User beware, if you go to follow her on Instagram, you're going to be called out too. <laughs> so that's the hope in a loving way, in a loving way. I promise. Of course, of course. All right. Final question before we wrap this up. What does winning mean to you? Oh my goodness. Winning means feeling in control of my body in a moment to moment basis. And mm using that as my springboard for all of the things that I love. It truly is body autonomy. Love it. Love it. You are such a gift, Lauren. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.